Okay. The West Hollywood Planning Commission acknowledges that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the city of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrielino Tongva and Gabrielino Keech peoples. This planning commission meeting is being live broadcast and teleconferenced on the city's website and is also provided on a wide array of streaming media platforms to offer access to the public to the fullest extent possible. You may call in to make a comment. You may also listen to this meeting by dialing 669-900-6833. The meeting ID is 817-1462-2812 and then press the pound sign. We OTV staff have confirmed this planning commission meeting is currently streaming successfully on Spectrum Channel 10 and online at weho.org slash wehotv. In addition, and as a courtesy, this meeting is also successfully streaming on the city's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash wehotv and on Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV, and Android TV. WehoTV staff monitor this broadcast on all platforms throughout the meeting and will notify the planning commission secretary should broadcast disruptions arise. Please do not interrupt the live meeting by calling or texting the planning commissioners about difficulties viewing the meeting. Please understand the internet speeds, device reliability, third-party platform reliability, and individual or personal technical issues are out of the scope of this broadcast. If you are experiencing viewing difficulties while watching this live stream, please reload the page or visit weho.org slash wehotv to access our official live stream and to view a list of other available streaming options and a guide to troubleshoot your connection. If you continue to experience difficulties, you can also call 323-848-3151. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this regularly scheduled meeting of the West Hollywood Planning Commission. It is Thursday, February 2nd. <sighs> Pledge of Allegiance. Commissioner Carvajero, because I didn't think you were going to be here tonight, and I'm so glad you were able to join us on very short notice, would you please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance if you'd be so inclined? I'd hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much. David, can you please do roll call for us? Uh, thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, tonight, Commissioner Copeland is absent from the meeting, uh, so all vote, uh, roll call votes will reflect her absence. Uh, Commissioner Meadows. Here. Commissioner Lombardi. Here. Uh, Commissioner Gregoire. Here. Commissioner Carvalero. Here. Vice Chair Thomas. Here. Chair Jones. Here. And we have a quorum. Great, thank you. Item four is approval of the agenda. Because of a number of changes and at least one recusal, uh, I would like to approve a different cadence for the agenda tonight. Um, again, there was some last minute changes if you haven't had a chance to look. Um, at the request of the applicant, item 10A, which is 8497 to 8499 Sunset Boulevard is being continued to a date uncertain. Um, we had quite a few public comments written in about that. So I just wanna make sure that anyone who has come to possibly speak on that item tonight is aware again that that item is being continued. Um, the order I would like to propose for tonight's meeting, uh, because of that change and because of a recusal, is to move item 14A and 14B 
up to just after the director's report. So that would be director's report, then planning manager's update, then subcommittee management. Again, uh, this is just proposed. I don't know if Jennifer, if that would be okay with you. I don't want to spring anything on you. Then we would move item items 11A and B up to just before item 10B. Item 10B would, will be our only public hearing tonight. So we would hear 11A, which is the revised DEIR for 7811 Santa Monica Boulevard, then the design review subcommittee appointment for the Coast Playhouse ad hoc committee, then 10B, and then on down the agenda. And I know it's a lot of changes, but I just, um, again, because of recusal and the changes uh, that have ensued, I wanna make sure that uh, we do this in a way that, you know, encourages as much participation from commissioners and the public as possible. I would move approval. I'll second. Great, thank you. David, can you please call roll? Or thank sorry, you. take the vote. Thank you. Commissioner Gregoire? Aye. Commissioner Lados? Yes. Commissioner Lombardi? Yes. Commissioner Carvalero? Abstain due to conflict of interest on item 10A. Thank you. Uh, Vice Chair Thomas? Yes. Chair Jones? Yes. And the motion passes, noting five ayes, uh, noting Commissioner Carvalero abstaining from this vote and the absence of Commissioner Copeland uh, approving the agenda as amended for February 2nd, 2023. Great, thank you. So continuing, item five is approval of the, of the minutes. This would be the minutes from January 19th, 2023, which staff is recommending for continuance to February 16th, which is our next regularly scheduled meeting. Do I have a motion or a, change, or a request for changes? I'm sure this could just be consensus that's a continuance. Okay, is everybody okay with that? We're not gonna vote on the fact that there are no minutes, okay. Great, thank you, David. Item six is public comment. Um, I just wanna be clear again that public comment, there will be another opportunity for anyone who's joined us from the public this evening to speak. This is an opportunity for you to provide a general comment. So nothing that's on the agenda tonight um, can be discussed in public comment, but if you wanna give a general comment, we certainly wanna encourage you to do that. So David, do we have any public speakers at this time? Uh, Chair, we do. Um, I received one public uh, request to speak under this item, uh, Victor Omochenko. Victor, if you're on the platform, uh, you can turn, there you go. You have three minutes to make a comment. Good evening, commissioners. And uh, if I, I, I do have one quick question, my computer, what has been continued to February 16th? That will help me with my comments, I think. Victor, that's item 10A, has been continued to a date uncertain. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, thank you, Chair. Well, okay, so I want to talk about disparate, unequal treatment, about equity, and if you will, true inclusion. And I now see that you have continued the hearing on the Sunset Billboard to a date uncertain. And I'm curious, why so uncertain when such a proposal is represented by lobbyists and lawyers and lots of professionals? Shouldn't they be able to have, I know you probably said February 16th, but when I see that term date uncertain, when it comes to appeals by the public, 
neighborhood, community groups, those who do not have well-heeled lawyers and lobbyists representing them, we only get 10 business days to appeal a big project. And so, and we have to gather 50 legal petition signatures in person, and it just seems so unfair, and especially during a pandemic, no less. So here we are sitting, talking, the new year has begun, but a lot of things seem to be slipping through the cracks nowadays. I was involved with the Friends of Palm Avenue appeal. That was regarding a senior living project on Palm Avenue that was going to destroy seven rent-stabilized housing units with nothing given back to the citizens in return. And we had to gather signatures during the height of the pandemic in person, knocking on doors, and people were too scared to open their doors. So I'm just saying that I think it's high time that we as members of the public, that you as our public uh, planning commissioners, that you're representing interests of all of us, residents, developers, other groups, that we should really look at letting folks who are appealing projects have more than just 10 business days to file an appeal, especially since we don't have the well-heeled lobbyists, lawyers, and developers with their moneyed pockets, and we need help as members of the public. So whatever you can do to provide equitable, fairer treatment to members of the public and community neighborhood groups as they appeal projects, we need more time. You give date uncertains to developers, we don't ask for a date uncertain for an appeal, but how about starting the community conversation and maybe extending the time to do an appeal and to gather signatures to, let's say, 20 business days? That would seem like being equitable, fair, and including all voices. And thank you for letting me speak. Uh, thank you, Victor. And um, if there, is, we have quite a few people in on the platform with us. If there, anyone would like to make a general comment, really quick, just uh, raise your hand from the Zoom application, or if you're calling in, uh, star nine for me, and we'll give you three minutes to speak under a general public comments. Okay, Chair, and it looks like we are all clear. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Item seven is the director's report. Is Mr. John Kehoe with us this evening? Uh, not this evening, but I will be providing that for you, uh, Chair. Um, uh, so just a, a little bit of um, uh, just reporting on what happened at the uh, Monday's uh, council meeting, the meeting for January 23rd. Um, so the city council did approve the um, recommended amendments to the accessory dwelling unit and junior accessory dwelling unit um, regulations. Um, so that did pass. It did, did go into effect immediately because there was an urgency ordinance attached to that. Um, so those regulations are now uh, in, in full effect. Um, the other item that they considered was the replacement of that billboard uh, with a double-sided billboard at the Holloway um, Motel. So that um, also was approved um, by city council um, at their last meeting. Um, coming up, um, for the City Council uh, on Monday are um, two very exciting projects. Uh, one of them happens to be 
the results of the um, protected bike lane feasibility study for Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, so staff will be presenting the results of that study to council. And um, the council will also be reviewing um, potential design guidelines and recommendations for uh, outdoor dining um, and uh, out zones, um, some, of, some of these uh, sort of remnants from the, uh, the pandemic. Um, so they'll be providing um, new recommendations and regulations on how to uh, proceed with some of those um, uh, projects in the future. Um, so with that, I will um, pass it back to the chair. Thank you. Great, thank you. Any questions for Francisco at this time? I can take that as a note. Thank you very much, Francisco. Nice to see you. Okay, as noted, we, again, we did move around um, the order of the agenda because of a continued item and because of a recusal. So things are switched around a bit. So just bear with us and thank you to the public for your patience. Um, next we'll be doing item 14A, which is the planning manager's update. Good evening. <clears throat> Thank you. I will update you on upcoming agenda items that we expect to see. Um, all right. So at the next meeting on February 16th, we'll be reviewing a zone text amendment for non-residential uses in residential zones. Um, just a heads up, I will not be at that meeting. Um, it's not a current planning item, so I don't think that's a big deal, but I won't be there. Um, for March 2nd, we have another zone text amendment coming up for multifamily, uh, part one for zoning, for, I'm sorry, for parking standards. Um, and then we're looking to bring um, the first of a, a couple of trainings that we want to do with the commission on some of the updates and laws. Um, this is something we've talked about and we've been trying to put on the agenda. So we're hoping that March 2nd will be a good date for that. Um, March 16th, we will have a billboard at 8590 Sunset Boulevard, and um, it looks like also a billboard at 9201 Sunset Boulevard, um, and again, that's a little ways out, so um, we will keep you posted on whether those stay on. Um, for subcommittees... Uh, for subcommittees, we've got still um, uh, one item coming up in March 23rd for design review subcommittee 1006 to 1010 Edinburgh Avenue. It's a 14-unit residential building. That's on March 23rd. Um, we'd like to set up a Sunset Arts and Advertising subcommittee on March 9th. Um, so if the members of that subcommittee are not available March 9th, let me know. Um, we have right now, it look, you know, we, it looks like we have about three items on that. I, you know, I hesitate to say that all three will stay on that agenda just because we are a ways out still, but it looks like it could be eight, 8433 Sunset Boulevard, the Comedy Store billboard, 9009 Sunset Boulevard, the Roxy billboard, and 9019 Sunset Boulevard, which is the Rainbow billboard. I think that's actually 9015. Um, and then... We would also like to schedule, um, there's nothing on it at this moment, but uh, the April 6th for another Sunset Arts and Advertising subcommittee date coming up. Um, so I will pause there and if the members of the subcommittee for Sunset Arts and Advertising are unavailable on either March 9th or April 6th, let me know. All right, hearing nothing, I will move on. 
Um, I just wanted to clarify something really fast because our, our public commenter brought it up. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that we all know and just so that the public knows as well. Um, typically, when something is con continued to a date uncertain, that means there's a whole new round of noticing. Um, and so we do that a lot when we want, when we either don't know when it's going to come back or we want to make sure that they have that new noticing so that the public does know when it's coming. Um, date certain is when it's usually very quick turnaround and there isn't time for noticing and it doesn't have a new notice so that it's, it's made it's made a public in the meeting when it is continued that we're going to bring it back on a date certain. Usually that's the next meeting or maybe in, um, two meetings later, uh, just so that we, there's no confusion that, you know, really date uncertain um, adds transparency and it adds noticing. So just wanted to point that out. Um, Jennifer, quick question for you. Did you say you wanted to do a, a Sunset Arts and Advertising subcommittee meeting on April 6th? Because at least on my calendar, I have that that's a planning commission meeting night. Oh, you're right. April 13th. I'm sorry. April 13th. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Yep. I'm available on both those dates. So. Okay. All right. That was all I had. Unless you have questions. Okay. Great. Anybody have questions for Jennifer at this time? Okay. I'm going to take that as a no. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Appreciate the flexibility. I know we moved you up a bit. <clears throat> Great, thank you. So now we will move to item eight, which is items from commissioners. Um, would anybody like to speak at this time? Uh, Chair, are we doing 14B as well at this time? This Oh, I'm sorry, that was part of Jen's. Uh, yeah, apologies. no worries. I also thought it was gonna be 11B and I've completed it in my mind and luckily pushed it down. So all good. Um, any comments from commissioners at this time? Okay, no. All right, um, item nine is consent calendar. There is none. And again, per the agenda change, and I just wanna say one more time for anyone who might've joined uh, since we started the meeting, there have been some changes, but thanks for bearing with us. We will move to item 11A. This is 7811 Santa Monica Boulevard. This is a revised draft EIR or environmental impact report comment period. This is an opportunity for us to receive information pertaining to the revised DEIR for a mixed use project known as the bond project located at the aforementioned address and to provide comments on the adequacy of the environmental document. I want to give an opportunity to staff um, to give their presentation. Yes, good, good evening, Chair. I'm, I'm gonna be sharing my uh, PowerPoint here, one moment. Okay, uh, I believe you can see my screen now. Is that correct? Antonio, I actually blank. can't see anything. It's, it's black. Oh, there, there we go. go. Oh, okay. My screen just froze for a moment. Okay, uh, so you can see my screen. Okay, thank you so much, Chair. Good evening, uh, uh, Chair Jones, Vice Chair Thomas, and members of the commission. Uh, Antonio Castillo, um, Senior Planner with the Current and Historic Preservation Planning Division. 
the um, the item before you this evening is is a uh, revised draft uh, environmental impact report for the bond project. This is a proposed hotel mixed use development located at 7811 Santa Monica Boulevard. The initial EIR came before uh, this commission in October of 2019. And based on the comments uh, received at that time and um, additional information received during the, the um, commission meeting, the, the city determined that two additional sections of the EIR uh, should be included in the draft, uh, including the land use and planning section, as well as the tribal cultural resources section, and that the draft EIR should be recirculated for public review to allow the public uh, additional time um, to review the information. And as such, the, the initial draft EIR has been revised to include these two uh, EIR sections, among other updates. And it, it's uh, currently being recirculated for public uh, review as part of its 45-day um, public uh, comment period. So the, the purpose of this meeting uh, tonight uh, is to provide the commission and members of the public an additional forum to provide comments to staff and the, uh, the city's CEQA consultant on the adequacy of the environmental document during this uh, public comment period. So comments uh, should be focused on the revised draft of, of the ERR. The commission will not be deliberating on the merits of the project or taking any position on the project at this time. And there's no formal action uh, requested of the commission this evening. All, all the comments we receive and the comments we have been receiving um, uh, will all be uh, included as part of the final environmental impact report. The uh, environmental document has been prepared by the city's um, CEQA consultant, um, DUDEC, uh, and uh, this DUDEC um, uh, is joining us this evening, uh, including um, Michelle uh, Finifrock, uh, the environmental planner for DUDEC. And so in just a moment, uh, Michelle will be uh, providing a brief overview of the CEQA process and the uh, status of the CEQA analysis for this project. Uh, afterwards, uh, we'll be gathering comments on the, uh, on the document itself. And these comments uh, will be responded to uh, and addressed as part of the, the final EIR uh, that will be considered by the Planning Commission during a, a future noticed public hearing. Um, and that's when the uh, Commission will, will uh, consider the project in its uh, entirety. The, the revised draft DIR is, is um, uh, available on the city's website for review and download. Um, and hard copies are also available at City Hall Planning Counter as well as the uh, West Hollywood uh, Public Library. The, the project site um, consists of three parcels, uh, including 7811 Santa Monica Boulevard, which is the main address for the project, as well as uh, 1114 Orange Grove Avenue and 1125 Ogden Drive. The, the parcel fronting Orange Grove is a rectangular shape uh, property um, and currently used as a surface parking lot for, for public. Uh, the parcel fronting Santa Monica is an irregular L-shaped parcel and currently occupied by a, a gym and a surface parking lot. And the parcel fronting Ogden is uh, rectangular 
in shape and currently occupied by a multifamily rental building. Together, the, the, um, the three parcels encompass uh, approximately 40,000 square feet um, of project site. The, the project includes the construction of a mixed-use development of approximately uh, 212,000 square feet in building area with a range of uh, six stories above ground, uh, up uh, approximately 71 feet from grade um, in, in certain areas with, with uh, two subterranean parking levels. The development would cons consist of approximately 36,000 square feet of commercial use, including a 45-room hotel, a restaurant, and an art gallery, and approximately 87,000 uh, square feet of residential space, including 95 residential dwelling units. Uh, uh, this would also include common open space area and uh, a, a uh, parking lot with 145 spaces. Uh, these are some renderings. Uh, this one uh, in particular is, is um, the, the Santa Monica Boulevard uh, uh, entrance. As you, you can see from the rendering, the, the frontage has a uh, five stories in height uh, with a six story um, tucked towards the back and, and fronting onto um, Orange Grove as well. Uh, this is the Orange Grove uh, rendering. Um, with the auto repair to the right, and there's a uh, school um, uh, immediately to the to the left. And this third rendering uh, is the uh, residential component um, uh, fronting onto Ogden Drive. The uh, of of the of the 95 residential units proposed for this project. 16 units would be affordable units, including eight very low income units and eight moderate income units. The units would be composed of 13 three bedroom units, 15 two bedroom units, 21 one bedroom units, and 46 studio units. Approximately 100 uh, parking spaces would be available to serve the proposed project's residents and, and commercial uses with the remaining 45 flexible parking spaces in, included in the project to replace the, um, sit, the uh, spaces currently uh, leased uh, by the city for um, public parking. The, um, uh, the construction of the project would involve uh, approximately 10,000 uh, square feet of commercial building uh, uh, fronting Santa Monica Boulevard, the parking lot uh, adjacent to the building and then uh, the parking lot um, leased by the city uh, along Orange Grove, as well as the seven unit residential building located on, on the Ogden parcel. The uh, uh, access to the project would, would be available from three separate driveways. Uh, one would be on Santa Monica Boulevard, which is an entrance only. Um, there would be one uh, along Orange Grove, which is a, a two-way entrance uh, and exit, and then a residential um, entrance and exit along Ogden Drive. In, in the coming weeks, staff will gather all the comments um, 
received by the public and commissions and work with uh, DUDEC to respond to each of the comments received during this period. And subsequently, the Planning Commission will hold a notice public hearing, receive all public comments, and go through its, its standard process of uh, deliberation bef before ultimately uh, taking an action whether to, to um, uh, approve or deny the project and certify the final EIR. The, the comment period began when the revised draft EIR was published in January of, uh, on January 5th of this year for a 45-day period that um, was ending on Monday, February 20th. Uh, however, uh, February 20th is a, is a holiday. It's President's Day, so uh, staff will be accepting public comments and, um, until the following day, uh, Tuesday, the 21st by 5 p.m. The uh, Transportation Commission held a, a similar meeting um, to gather public comments on January 18th, so recently. And so bef before I pass the next portion of our presentation to Michelle from DUDEC, um, I do wanna mention that staff has been receiving uh, various comments from members of the public. Um, and as I stated earlier, um, all the comments will be addressed in the, in the final uh, EIR. So everyone has an opportunity to see the comments and the responses. And so with that, I'm going to um, pass the next portion of our presentation to uh, Michelle uh, Finifrock from, from uh, DUDEC, and then uh, we'll conclude our presentation, Chair. One moment. Hi, good evening, commissioners and members of the public. As Tony mentioned, I'm Michelle Finifrock, and I will be providing a brief overview of the California Environmental Quality Act, as well as the EIR process that has been undertaken for the bond project. So this slide shows some high-level points on the California Environmental Quality Act, which is often referred to as CEQA. One of the main purposes of CEQA is to disclose the potential environmental effects of projects to decision makers as well as to the public. CEQA also provides a vehicle for members of the public and agencies to comment on the potential environmental impacts of projects and it requires that any significant environmental impacts be reduced through the identification of feasible mitigation measures and or consideration of project alternatives. Next slide. So this slide shows an overview of the EIR process that the city has undertaken for the bond project. I think Tony has already done a great job of describing the history of the bond project um, and how you know we're recirculating the EIR for public review. So I will just quickly state that um, we are currently on step number 10 that's shown on this slide, which is to collect public comment on the revised draft EIR. And the next steps will be to review all of the comments that the city collects and to um, provide responses to them in the form of a final EIR. Next slide. This slide lists the environmental topical areas that we have analyzed in detail in the revised draft EIR. For most of these topical areas, impacts were determined to be below a level of significance with no mitigation required. However, for the categories of air quality, cultural resources, and noise, 
potentially significant impacts were identified and mitigation measures are provided in the revised draft EIR that would reduce those impacts to below a level of significance. And with that, I will turn it back over to Tony to um, wrap up. Great, thank you, Michelle. Okay, Chair, so uh, just to conclude, um, wanted to put up the information here for any members of the public um, to reach staff uh, to provide any, any uh, comments. Uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll, we'll be accepting comments until uh, Tuesday, February 21st by 5 p.m. And those comments can be provided in writing um, either by emailing me directly at acastillo, that's A-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O at weho.org or um, by um, uh, emailing those comments to planning at weho.org. Uh, and you can also uh, drop off um, at City Hall uh, on, at the planning counter or mail uh, any public comments. Uh, we'll be accepting uh, comments in any manner um, that's convenient for the public. And so with that, this concludes our presentation, Chair. And uh, we're happy to take any comments from the commission and, and from members of the public. Thank Great, you. thank you. So I just wanna clarify with city attorney. So this isn't a typical public hearing. This is actually because there's no action that we're taking. This is a new business item. So Isaac, what is the best way to go about here where we just run it like we do with public hearings where we would have commissioners ask any questions of staff then take comments from the public and then have commission give their comments or what do you recommend? Yeah, I think that's appropriate. And, um, you know, the, the commissioner's comments will be uh, primarily, I think, questions of clarification since the, the commission won't be deliberating this evening on uh, or taking any action uh, in advance of having the formal uh, EIR finalized and coming back to the commission. And I think, uh, Chair, the way you described the process uh, works and is, is uh, uh, applicable to tonight's item. Okay, great, thank you. So just in keeping with how we would normally do this, do we have any questions from commissioners for staff at this time about uh, anything contained in the DEIR or the staff report? Vice Chair Thomas. Thank you, Chair. I had one question. I saw in the land use section, I believe it was 3.11, that this is a this is an HAA project, correct? Uh, that is correct. And I just wanted to understand the math on that just a little bit because it's two hundred and twelve thousand five hundred and eight square feet, which it would need to be sixty seven percent residential, correct? And so that's sixty seven percent of the habitable square footage, not the overall square footage, correct? Uh, it would be the square footage uh, pertaining to the the residential uses, so that that's um, uh, all square footage pertaining to residential uses within the entire project. Okay, so then it needs to be sixty seven percent of what number exactly? Uh, that would uh, give me one moment. I'll pull up the square footage here. The total gross square footage 
for the project is two. Uh, 212,818 square feet. Uh, and that includes, um, so that includes a residential hotel, common area, parking, and so forth. The gross residential area is uh, approximately 80, 87,000 square feet. And the hotel is, a hotel and commercial area is 36,000 square feet. Then there's common areas for the residential, public, uh, private, um, private uh, pa uh, patio areas for the for residential, and then parking structure and so forth. Okay, so that all that all adds up to the two hundred and twelve. So sixty seven percent would be 140,000 square feet. I, that's where I'm a little bit lost. So there's, um, okay, I, I'm gonna have to do some calculations here. The, I'm not looking at percentages, just that's square footages. Um, that's, that is the, the, um, the, the project proposal to to uh, for this to be a, a majority uh, residential project. So uh, if you allow me, I'll, I'll take a look at the square footages here and come up with some per, uh, percentages. We can probably come back with that and move on with questions for now. Okay, great. I just didn't know if we were, I don't want to put Antonio on the spot and make him do calculations like as we're, no, it's as we're waiting. That was my only question, Chair, so I'm perfectly fine to get that answer later. Okay, okay, cool. Thank you, Vice Chair Thomas. Any other questions? Uh, Commissioner Lombardi, please go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Castillo. Apologies if I'm putting you on the spot or if I missed this during the meeting, but I was just wondering that surface parking lot, do we know how many spaces approximately are there? And then some of them are for specific city uses. How many spots is that? Or uh, other... are, are you referring to the uh, Orange Grove uh, parking Correct. lot? The Orange Grove parking yes. lot. Yes, Th that would be 45 spaces that currently exist. Okay. And then are those uses broken out and do you have that information? How many are for the public versus a specific city use? Uh, no, those are all public, public okay. parking spaces. Okay, thank you. And then I was looking, I didn't see very much um, synopsis from the Transportation Commission. So I was curious if you have anything to note from the outcome of that meeting. Oh, staff uh, received various comments from uh, mostly from members of the public, but also from the Commissioners, there were there were um, a variety of different different comments that we'll be assessing. Okay, and the recording for that meeting, uh, as this one will be, uh, uh, is available to the public. Okay, and that is available now. I feel like it wasn't up previously. It, it, will you it, make that available? Yes, we we will be making that available. Um, th this. 
for planning commission, it will be available on the city's website. Um, the transportation commission, since it's um, uh, that one, that one is, I uh, believe, was being uploaded recently. So if, if it's not already, it will be uh, available to the public very soon. Okay, I would be that would be great. I know that there's a limited time for uh, comment. So for those that were not able to hear that meeting, that would be helpful. And that's um, the only other question I have at this time. Thanks. Great, thank you. Any other questions of commissioners for staff at this time? Okay. All right, then we will go to public comment for this item. Um, David, do we have any public speakers? Uh, thank you, Chair. Yes, we do. We received a few uh, public comments for this item. If there is anybody on the platform that would like to speak and make a comment regarding this, um, if you're on the platform, we use the raise hand feature. Um, if you're calling in, uh, please hit star nine for me, and that will let me know that you'd like to speak on that. Um, our first public speaker will be Steve W. Steve, go ahead and unmute. Um, you can turn your camera on if you'd like. You have three minutes. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead, Steve. Hi, my name is Steve Weinstein. I live on Ogden Drive for many, many years, directly across from the Ogden portion of this project. Uh, in the EIR, this revised EIR, there is an alternative to sever the residential lot on Ogden uh, from the commercial project on the other two streets. I strongly recommend that you take them up on that idea because this driveway connects to the commercial project, uh, it will ruin our street. There'll be delivery trucks, uh, guests of the hotel, Ubers, lifts, all kinds of things just going in and out on a tiny little residential street called Ogden. Also, you'll be losing eight, I think it's seven or eight rent controlled units on Ogden. Uh, so if you can sever that, that would be great. Uh, the other thing is you're building two very large buildings that are inaccessible. If you're coming on Santa Monica East, just past Fairfax, you cannot turn left on Orange Grove. There's a median with plants there. If you proceed further to where the hotel driveway is, you cannot turn left there either. It's a double yellow line, and there is a crosswalk, pedestrian crosswalk light right there. So cars will not be able to get into this project, either of the two large buildings. They'll have to continue forward to Ogden or Genesee and try and make a U-turn in those streets. Um, the only other option would be for them to go up to Fountain. Now, Fountain is, right now, you're planning to maybe change Fountain to one lane each way to prevent accidents, pre prevent pedestrian fatalities. Um, if that happens, nobody will be able to make a left down the street from onto uh, Orange Grove to attend or get home or attend the art gallery or attend the restaurant or whatever they're trying to do. So I think you really need to come and look at these streets and see that traffic cannot service these two very large buildings. If you made them smaller, 
um, if there was a way to direct traffic uh, with traffic lights and whatnot, but there really isn't. And then if you're going to put a bike lane on Santa Monica, which I know is another study of the city, um, it, it's gonna be impossible with all this extra traffic. So I just wish you would take that into consideration and realize this is way too large project for this particular lot. Thank you very much, appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Steve. Um, our next speaker will be uh, Mike Carter. Mike Carter will be followed by Danielle Wilson. Uh, go ahead, Michael, you'll have three minutes. Greetings and good evening. Mike Carter, Ogden Orange Owls Neighborhood Watch Captain, reporting from the epicenter of the Bond Hotel Project Impact Zone. Of great concern to our constituents who provided 223 signatures tonight in protest of the Bond Project is land use. In particular, overlaying hotel use on an aggregate parcel that's 10,000 square feet short of municipal zoning code requirement. And that we are calling this a concession instead of a violation of WHMC. Particularly insidious is that this project reaches outside the 1936-170A project description to find a standard for and substantiate residential use and density over the CC2. No standard is found for it in 1936-170A. In a type A project, residential uses occur only on the residentially zoned parcels for which the density standard is supplied. Further, 1936-170A-4A is easily understood in terms of residential use being exclusive to residential parcels in a type A project, but becomes unmanageable and even untenable if residential use is found on CC2. Did we invoke some other set of standards to add residential to the CC2 in order to create a hybrid AB project? Originally, this project was a type B project, residential on top of the two existing CC2 parcels. A tip was dropped from city government that a third driveway would be required to get approval. So one piece of R3B property was snatched up for 3.2 million as if it were some kind of a Lego piece to be then snapped onto the 7811 type B project. But presto, changeo, not only do we have the desperately required driveway, but we have 1936-170 type A mixed use project with residential on the CC2. More simply, we have what is still a type B project that snatched up a residential parcel for a driveway, a hybrid in search of a concession. Does the bond then mitigate the effects of its massing and height and environmental impacts to the maximum extent feasible? No. Its mass and scale are severely impactful to any neighborhood. The concession to 1936-170A1, 50,000 square feet, is dangerous. 1936-170A4B, transportation commissioners are concerned for traffic flow in and out of the bond. A ludicrous suggestion was made to allow commercial hotel driveway use on the residential parcel, while WHMC will not tolerate this. 1936-170A10, 55 or so feet of driveway studying three sides of the block makes a mockery of this WHMC standard. The bond needs to go back to the drawing board, sever the R3B parcel from the project. These three infill lots on three sides of the block need to be developed separately or the proper parcel size should be acquired. As it is, the bond project is all take and no give, replete with conflicts and impactful inadequacies. I wish you a good evening. Uh, thank you, Mike. Um, our next speaker will be Danielle Wilson, and Danielle will be followed by Lynn Hoopendra. 
Danielle, go ahead and unmute. You may turn on your camera if you like, and you have three minutes. Good evening, Chair Jones and Honorable Planning Commissioners. <clears throat> My name is Danielle Wilson. I live left, less than a quarter of a mile from the project site on Ogden, south of Santa Monica. I frequent the Whole Foods. I go to the gym at Brick, which is part of the project site. This is my neighborhood, and I strongly support this project. Tonight, I'm speaking on behalf of Unite Here Local 11, the hotel workers union here in West Hollywood. Our members, dishwashers, housekeepers, and servers who are the working poor and therefore the canaries in the coal mine for climate change are struggling with the dueling impacts of the housing and environmental crises impacting our region. They're being pushed further and further away from job centers like West Hollywood due to the lack of affordable housing and transit infrastructure near good jobs. This project, which combines nearly 100 housing units, including units for very low-income families like our members, and sustainable development is exactly the kind of development our community needs. This project is close to existing rapid bus service, as well as to the proposed future metro subway extension. It balances the parking needs of residents like myself, visitors, and workers with the regional need to encourage the use of transit. The combination of jobs, housing, and walkable destinations such as art galleries and studio space ensure that the project will also encourage pedestrian activity. This project will positively impact the environment. It replaces surface parking lots with sustainably constructed affordable housing. What was once covered by blacktops will now be shaded by cool roofs or Energy Star approved roofing with solar power, plants, and other green features. This will be a model project for our neighborhoods. I am just going to have to join 24 Fitness, and that's okay. Um, I truly hope to be able to work with my neighbors to welcome a project like this into the city with its desperately needed housing, and I hope you will keep our thoughts in mind during future deliberations. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Danielle. Um, our next speaker will be Lynn Hoopengarner, followed by uh, our last speaker that I have, Victor Omochenko. Uh, Lynn, good evening. Go ahead. You have three minutes. Thank you. <clears throat> Good evening, commissioners. Um, I'm going to stick to the high points on this one. Uh, most importantly, what I was unable to find is what is the deemed complete date? Uh, you might recall we just went through this two weeks ago on the 8555 uh, Santa Monica project. And at that point, there was a 60,000 square foot requirement for the whole project in order to span commercial and residential properties. That code was in place in 2016. In 2019, the code was changed to reduce that requirement to 50,000 square feet. Therefore, this is an important date. When this EIR first was processed, the 60,000 square foot law was in place. Was, what is the deemed complete date? And are we applying the same rules to this project as were applied to 8555 Santa Monica? And as relates to that, the changes in 2019 amended 19.36.170 on mixed use projects that span both residential and commercial zoning districts. Importantly, A8, where it says development as separate sites, the residential and commercially zoned portions of the site shall be developed as separate sites in compliance with the requirements of the applicable district including density, setbacks, height, and other applicable development standards, except that subterranean parking may be constructed as connected underneath, et cetera, et cetera. In addition, number nine, one canopy tree for every 6,000 square feet of site area. That is not incorporated in here. And these are just a couple of items. 
So one, what is the deemed complete date? And two, what code is being applied to this project? I see that the applicant has uh, requested a concession to not comply with the 50,000 square feet and reduce it to somewhere near 40,000 square feet, but that is not a concessionable item. This is an objective standard that is a condition upon which they can even consider doing a project spanning commercial and residential lots. And with that, I will leave it to my neighbors to discuss the transportation issues and the many, many other issues that need to be addressed before this is ready for prime time. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. And our final speaker will be Victor Omachenko. Victor, hang on just a second. I wanna make sure um, that everyone gets an opportunity to make a comment. So if you haven't and you would like to, if you're on the platform, please raise your hand. If you're calling in, star nine for me. Okay, Victor, go ahead. You will have three minutes. Well, good evening again, commissioners. Well, a new project, this on the east side. I live in the center city, but I'm interested in what happens throughout our fair city. And I just want to say that I did submit on Wednesday, February 1st at 1.31 p.m. a whole slew of questions to this planning commission and to Mr. Gillig that I hope that Dudek and Miss Finneyfrock will answer. I've learned over the years, when you make a comment or say a feeling or say, oh, I don't know, and I'm concerned in that, I believe that the questions should be asked, not just the comments. So I look forward to answers to all of the questions that the public has submitted regarding what I see at this point as an extremely overwrought project. Why has no new traffic study been completed that takes into account not only the cumulative impacts of ongoing development in this area, but also the influx of all this ride sharing? Exactly how is the public benefiting from a new hotel in this city? Is that part of our general plan? What is the justification? Let's talk about land use and policy planning. How exactly does this project meet the city's requirement that a new development that traverses commercial and residential zones like I was learning must now be 50,000 square feet in land area? And in the presentation that I just saw, I just jotted down that it only has 40,189 square feet. This is a concession? I don't think so. How is this concession? Dudek, please explain it to us. How does this project meet the city's rules and regulations and ordinances? Why is this proposal, Dudek and everybody, even being reviewed now if it does not have 50,000 square feet of total land? And yes, indeed, let's find out what was the deemed complete date. Why is this such a secret and so hard to get a handle out? That said, about the, uh, the, the housing, yes, the project will add 16 new affordable housing units. But what the community needs to know is that seven rent-stabilized housing units are being demolished for this bizarre driveway that's going to feed into the residential neighborhood on Ogden. And that is really, we're losing seven and only getting nine. Wouldn't you think that a well-heeled developer could offer up more than just a net new nine? 
affordable housing units. Let's talk about that in the housing in, in, in housing draft EIR. So I bring up these issues because I'm just wondering, how does such demolition of rent-stabilized housing serve the city's housing needs? And why can't the developer offer more affordable housing? These are questions that I hope are all answered in the new final EIR. Thank you so much for the extra time, David. And thank you, Victor. And Victor uh, is our last public speaker on this item, Chair. Great, thank you. Okay, so again, this is not an item that we're deliberating. We're not taking any action on this tonight. Um, if staff has answers to um, the questions that we asked earlier, that would be great. If not, we can also give you more time. That's absolutely no problem. Um, but otherwise, I think we can just go down the line and, and give comments if they haven't already been given. Would anyone like to speak? There's no one, I mean, do we not have comments? Commissioner Lombardi, I had a feeling, go ahead. I have comments, but I, I really don't wanna go first. Um, if anyone else wants, wants to go, but since everyone's so quiet, I'm happy to go. Um, we heard some good questions from the public. So I do hope that those are answered. Um, let me check here and see where I wanna start. So I guess, I am a little bit confused about how this project is coming forward. And I realize that maybe that's not specific to the DEIR, but it, it has some impact. So here's what I'm gonna ask. I know that there's an alternative within this, um, with this, within this revised DEIR. And I'm trying to understand if is the intent with the proposed alternative that the lots would be developed as separate parcels, considering that there's a potential concession to try to consolidate everything, which does not match up to our municipal code, given the overall amount of project area. What is the intent with the alternative, which notes the various negative impacts, such as less housing? And shouldn't an alternative be proposed that maybe navigates this issue that's been flagged? I mean, I get an answer to that question. Yeah, <laughs> we're, question. we're really just taking comments yep. at this meeting mostly. So Understood. Um, yeah, as far that's as common. if you have suggestions or comments on the alternatives, then we can certainly take those in and look at them. But we don't want to okay. speak qualitatively on any of these issues. Um, sort of Understood. Okay, so that's one question and comment that I have. I do want to reiterate, and I'm glad that it was brought up by the public, my concern about the application of the affordable housing. And I'm a little bit confused right now on what the intent is. It seems like we're losing at least seven, if not eight existing units that would be potentially rent stabilized um, to gain 16 units. And so that doesn't seem like a very high number for the amount of 
residential units that would be provided for this project. And then I'm also curious how that relates in density bonus calculations. If they're asking for density bonus calculations based on 16 new affordable units, but you're losing units, is there not a measure within our, our code that acknowledges the, the removal and the need to replace those units? I thought there was. So I'm not sure if I understand how that's being applied and if it's being applied correctly and what that means in terms of the analysis of this DEIR and the, the benefits if they're properly being assessed. I think there needs to be clarity there. I'm also concerned in general about the traffic conditions in this area. I know it well. I frequent the area regularly. Um, Santa Monica and Fairfax is a busy intersection. There is a bus stop there, which is very convenient for this location, but traffic does back up. So if cars are headed eastbound on Santa Monica and expected to turn into the property, I think that that's going to be an issue. There isn't a turn lane. I don't know if there's a way to implement a traffic light, but I feel like that's probably too close to Fairfax and Santa Monica. So this seems like a very tricky thing to navigate. And I'm curious if there could be better study into the traffic patterns and how this is managed. Um, during rush hours in particular, the traffic really backs up along this corridor and um, it's hard enough to turn left anywhere, much less if this project is uh, pulling in, um, you know, that many people for parking, for the housing, for the hotel, for the art gallery. So I'm not sure that that's been assessed well and I am very concerned about it. Um, also, the removal of the Orange Grove parking lot, it doesn't seem like those 45 spaces are being fully recaptured with this new development. And I'm concerned about that. I understand, you know, there's calculations that are made with all this, but the, um, the commercial strip that includes Whole Foods that is right next door has a lot of traffic. People depend on that lot as overflow and it's used frequently during busy hours. I know I've used it quite a bit. I'm not sure how people navigate out of this parking garage and over into that space. And if they are um, using it, how much capacity they have. So I think this is just gonna create more issues with pedestrian traffic, traffic flow, uh, cars turning in, people coming out, trying to go over to that area. and. I don't know if that's been studied properly and addressed based on what I'm seeing in this DEIR. Um, and, and right now, that's what I have for comments. Okay, great. Commissioner Gregoire, please go ahead. Uh, Thank you, Commissioner Lombardi, for going first. You pr pretty much touched on every one of the points I was going to make, but I also just wanted to just repeat concern over that we're only getting a net gain of nine affordable units. Uh, I think we hate to see the uh, the loss of rent stabilized units. Um, so obviously, we need to take a a hard look at that. Um, and I really appreciated a lot of the public comments about the just the impact on parking and transportation and Whole Foods. Whole Foods is crazy. 
you know, there's always overflow from Whole Foods onto that street and into that parking lot and the school there. Um, it would be great for them to really address sort of the impacts as with respect to some of these other businesses like the school and Whole Foods. And as Commissioner Lombardi said about the, the, the transportation issues, the uh, trying to gain access to a hotel from Santa Monica Boulevard going eastbound is going to be a challenge that should be further developed as well. Um, and I thought my last, my, my last thought was, you know, my usual concern about any new residential development, is there going to be adequate parking? You know, we know what we're allowed to require, but realistically, is there going to be overflow? Are there going to be residents wanting to park on the residential streets? And what's the impact going to be on, on the neighborhood? Um, what, what we require, what can be required is very different from the true needs of the neighborhood. So I'd wanna make sure uh, that's considered as well in the, the revised final EIR. And that's my comment. Great, thank you, Commissioner Gregoire. Commissioner Mata, please go ahead. Thank you, Chair Jones. <clears throat> so I have a couple of comments, you know, I think the, a few of them have been touched on. Um, I wanna get a little bit more in specific to the DEIR. Um, 3.86 uh, talks about mitigation measures and project design features. It goes in to provide a um, project design feature for transit. There's number one and number two. Um, it's talking about restricting, um, restricting northbound traffic into the neighborhoods by requiring vehicles that exit the driveway to travel southbound during peak hours. Um, it's talking about implementing the design feature of a sign to steer traffic in that direction. Um, I think it would be helpful to potentially explore um, additional or alternative um, design features that could help, um, you know, basically firm up that position um, to try to mitigate the um, traffic component and um, keep vehicles um, that are leaving the transit, uh, that are leaving the project site rather um, from moving um, toward the neighborhood. Um, you know, I don't know if it had been explored in addition to signs to implementing, um, you know, medians that would require a turn in that, in the correct direction or any type of other mitigation effort or design features that could be implemented that would help address some of those concerns. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about um, that I didn't think was adequately addressed uh, in the EIR or the draft EIR um, is uh, there is a part about rideshare passenger loading and unloading. It kind of goes into, um, it says the project will accommodate passenger loading and unloading on site. Should rideshare pick up and drop off activity become excessive and generate traffic issues on the residential portions of Orange Grove Avenue or Ogden, the city will work with the owner to remedy those concerns. Um, I kind of would love to see, you know, what the remedy options would be, and you know, a little bit more into um, where, you know, in the project side or different alternatives 
that that could be hosted um, to try to mitigate the issues that it's talking about. Just a little bit more depth um, in the plan for that would be interesting. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, my other concern was about, um, you know, we love affordable housing, we need more of it, um, certainly. Um, but also looking at, you know, with the elimination of existing rent stabilized units, um, would there be a rent stabilized unit requirement beyond what's being proposed in affordable housing for them to maintain as part of the overall housing stock? So if there's, you know, X amount of affordable units in this project, I believe it's 16, um, then, you know, are there an additional uh, eight separate and apart from that that are then designated rent stabilized units? Um, so that's something that I think should be uh, explored a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are my comments. Great, thank you very much. I don't wanna put anybody on blast and you certainly don't have to speak. Commissioner Carvalho, please go ahead. Yeah, I don't have additional comments. All my comments have been touched on at this point. Vice Chair Thomas. I have a question of staff in regards to uh, when rent control units are, they leave the market and there's a new project. Uh, isn't, isn't there um, a recapture program or I just seem to remember something about when um, rent control projects are removed from the market and then a project is put in, in that place. Um, don't a certain number of the of the units, um, isn't there a, I, I just felt like there was a program regarding that and I just couldn't remember, so I didn't, does this, does this sound at all familiar? So I can speak to that a little bit. I'm, I'm not um, an expert, but I can let you know that if there are people who are Ellis from a rent controlled building um, removed from the rental market who qualify for our uh, rents um, for our inclusionary program, <clears throat> I believe that they get um, some level of priority on the list, but not necessarily in this project because they may need housing before this project is completed. Um, so I think that it's just as units come up, they, they have um, some level of priority for that. Okay, thank you. Do we have any additional questions for staff or comments at this time? I did, sorry, Chair Jones, if I may. Please I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I did just wanna follow up on Commissioner Thomas's question. I also had a, a similar question about how that math works out. So I just wanted to just second that and follow up on the response. Yes, Chair, I, I have a, a response to um, Commissioner Thomas's earlier question on square footage. Um, so the, the, the square footage that I had mentioned earlier, the 212,000, uh, that, that, that includes uh, parking and a variety of other square footages throughout the structure. But when we're looking at the, the, square footage, the gross square footage of residential area versus commercial, 
um, the residential uh, residential square footage is approximately 100,995, which ends up being 73.65% of the square footage for the, the buildings. Uh, so we have a residential square footage of um, about 100,995 and the commercial square footage is 36,132. Then there's the parking area, for, uh, for example, um, of the square footage for the parking, 69 spaces would be for residential, 31 would be for, for commercial. So the, the project uh, does exceed the um, two thirds uh, requirement for um, uh, as, as uh, uh, Commissioner Thomas mentioned. I appreciate that, thank you. No problem. One, one additional comment. Uh, Commissioner Jones, the, um, the project was deemed complete January 31st of 2019. December 21st of 2019, is that what you said? Uh, January 31st. January 31st of 2019. Okay. Thank you. My questions and comments have been addressed one of the benefits of going last. Um, any additional questions for staff at this time or comments? Commissioner Matos, go ahead. Thank you, thank you, Chair Jones. I just wanted to add one thing just as part of um, my comments, specifically the comments relating to 3.8.6, which is the mitigation measures and project design features related to traffic um, and transportation. Um, you know, we'd ask for, I'd ask for, you know, alternatives or exploration of further design features beyond just the use of a sign. Um, I think that I would love to see this even go into ex exploring a night lane, similar to what we have on Hammond, um, where there is the uh, up and down barrier that prevents traffic from continuing through the street, um, you know, during the night hours and specified hours um, where it rises out of the street. Um, near my home I see it all the time so I think I would you know if that's possible to add to additional comments or exploration features for this uh, project design that would be great great thank you does staff have any questions for commission at this time in terms of clarification or any additional feedback or are you good I have none, Chair. Anyone else? No? I, I have one. Vice Chair Thomas, go ahead. I, I'm, I just want to circle back to the rent stabilized units. The new would the new project have to provide a one-to-one -one replacement of those units? Uh the the um Jennifer, per perhaps you might want to correct me on this, but that that uh, requirement uh, would not apply to this project that um, was deemed complete in early 2019. Um, the the 
this project would be eliminating seven residential units and be um, including 16 affordable units. Okay, if there are no further comments or questions, we can move on to the next item, which is item 11B. Thank you very much to everyone for uh, coming out and for commenting and also for, again, being patient with us as we had to move some things around on tonight's agenda. So item 11B is the design review subcommittee representative appointment for um, one current design review subcommittee member to the ad hoc city playhouse design steering committee. Uh, this is for a term ending June 30th, 2023 or until completed. I do want to thank everyone for their interest in this. Um, it is my inclination to appoint Commissioner Carviero to this position. Um, and that is largely because he was the one who served on the uh, city manager's advisory board for this project. I think you know, continuity is important. Um, he has the expertise that we need, but I certainly don't want to overlook anyone else's talent. So again, thank you everyone for your interest and for being so enthusiastic about uh, moving things in our community forward. Um, Commissioner Carviero. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And with this, we will, again, just to note uh, that item 10A, again, if you're just joining us, item 10A has been continued uh, to a date uncertain. Uh, again, that's item 10A, 8497 to 8499, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, we will be moving on to item 10B, which is 8549 to 8551, Santa Monica Boulevard. This is a public hearing regarding a request to allow overnight boarding at an existing dog daycare facility located at the aforementioned address in our fair city. I believe we do have a recusal, and I want to give uh, the commissioner uh, an opportunity to recuse himself before we move forward. Hello, everyone. I am going to have to recuse myself from this matter as the subject property 8549 to 8551 Santa Monica Boulevard is within 500 feet of uh, property that I live in and own. So I will be signing off and saying good night to everyone. Have a good evening. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Gregoire. Okay, so again, this is our actually our only public hearing now this evening, item 10B. I am going to turn the reins over to staff for them to give their presentation. Great, thank you. Um, please bear with me for a moment. I'm just gonna share my screen with the PowerPoint presentation. All right, um, so my PowerPoint slides should be on the screen if it isn't, um, please feel free to stop me, but I'm just gonna continue on. Um, so good evening, Chair Jones and commissioners. Uh, my name is Roger Rath, and I am one of the associate planners in the current and historic preservation planning division. The item before you today is a request to allow overnight boarding at an existing dog daycare facility at 8549 to 8551 Santa Monica Boulevard. The subject property is located on Santa Monica Boulevard near the corner of West Knoll Drive. The yellow box indicated in this photo is the tenant space. 
The tenant space occupies the first and second floor of the building. The surrounding uses are primarily commercial uses, except to the north, which are residential properties. This subject property may look familiar to the commission as it was approved on January 19th, 2023 at the previous hearing on a separate development permit application to demolish all existing structures and construct a new five-story mixed-use development. The applicant is aware that the, of this development and intends to utilize the space until the development commences. This CUP, if granted, would go away when the structure is demolished. The entrance to the tenant space is located on the west elevation facing an existing surface parking lot. As seen here, the building is separated from the residential properties by a steep hillside, hillside uh, which results in both properties being located at different grades. The first floor is where the existing dog daycare is located. This includes the check-in area, open dog play area, and a washroom. The second floor is where the overnight boarding will take place. As seen in the floor plan here, the general sizes for the dog boarding facility will be four feet wide by four feet in length with options for larger spaces. Uh, the operation of the overnight boarding use for intake and outtake would be limited to 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Any dogs left with the operator past 9 p.m. will stay overnight and may be picked up on the following day during these public-facing operating hours. The overnight boarding use will be required to be staffed and be limited to 42 dogs overnight. All activities will take place inside the building. Although the topography is appropriate for the overnight boarding use, two possible irritants for the neighboring properties may be odor and noise. The applicant has included measures to control odor through means of a ventilation system, impermeable concrete floors, co uh, commercial cleaning supplies, staff training, and waste receptacles throughout the facility. For possible noise control, the applicant currently has a standard operating procedure that evaluates the dog's barking. As the dog is deemed a chronic barker, they would not be permitted at this location. This practice will continue with the addition of overnight boarding. This tennis space is also constructed with a thick cinder block concrete wall with no windows or doors facing the residential properties, which will also help contain the noise. As conditioned, the proposed overnight boarding to an existing dog daycare is well suited for the site and will benefit local residents as a neighboring ser neighborhood serving use. Therefore, staff recommends approval of the application with the adoption of draft resolution PC 23-1505. Um, I have to state that there is a typographical error that I'd like to highlight and edit for the record. Um, on the first page of the resolution, section two states the date as February 2nd, 2022. The correct date should be this year, which is 2023. Um, otherwise, that concludes my presentation. Um, I'm available for any questions and so is the applicant. Thank you. Great, thanks very much. Do we have questions for staff about items contained in the staff report or about their presentation from commissioners at this time? Commissioner Mata? I just have a quick question for staff. Um, with the implementation of this new CUP and them having overnight boarding, is there any type of requirement for them to have uh, any type of like evacuation plan or anything like that posted? So, Is there any new requirements along those lines? Um, so the Los Angeles County of um, Animal Care and Control reviews that. Um, so they do have that part of their requirement for licensing, um, which requ 
requires them to have a plan that's specific to this property and be kept and posted on site at all times. Okay, thank you. Sure. Thanks, Commissioner Matos. Any additional questions for staff at this time? Vice Chair Thomas. Thank you, Chair. Is the applicant here today? Or? Yes, they are. They are. Okay. You know what? I'll actually um, ask the applicant my question. Thank you. Okay, no problem. Commissioner Lombardi, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, following up with Commissioner Matos's question, I was just wondering when I was looking at the plans, are can you help me understand where the egress routes are? And I guess in particular, I'm trying to understand if the dogs are on the second floor, what's the egress route from the second floor? Sure, um, let me just share my screen with the plans again, if you don't mind. Okay, so uh, hopefully everybody can see this if you don't um, stop me again. But basically the egress points that building safety would be reviewing um, in terms of evacuation uh, would be you know, going down the stairs here, which leads to the first floor um, down here to the foyer, foyer, foyer sorry, <laughs> um, that leads out to the property. And the other, uh, the other egress location would be this exit corridor here that would lead to um, the outdoor parking area on the, on the, I guess the same property, which I can show you maybe here. Um, I believe it exits out to this location here. Okay. Okay, thank you. And then I did have a question that maybe relates to some of the items in the resolution, but I just wanted to note that there's a couple of different dates on the plans. Oh. And I wanna make sure we have the most current plans because she A1 is, is the 16th of August and then summer dated September 15th. And then another one's August 24th. That might be a, a tidying up thing, but I, I just wanted to make sure we are looking at the current plans given all of the various dates on these sheets. Right, yeah, so these, this is a most current plan. I'll have a applicant update that once, once it comes to, okay. if we approve it. <laughs> and then I think I'll reserve my other questions for after the applicant's presentation. Okay, great, thank you. Did I see another hand? Can I imagine that? If I call on everyone? <laughs> Commissioner Carvajal, please go ahead. Yeah, just one quick question. So will drop off and pick up happen um, off of Santa Monica Boulevard or off, off of uh, West Knoll? The pick up and drop off would happen at the front of the business, so in the, the parking lot area. The lower area. Yeah, exactly. So the upper area is only emergency exit. Right. Great, thanks. Any additional questions for staff at this time? Okay, great. Uh, I know staff mentioned the applicants here. Does the app the applicant has typically we would do a ten minute presentation, then public um, public comment, and then a rebuttal. Um, you certainly don't have to present if you don't want to, but I do want you to make it known that that is your prerogative. 
Um, so if you want to give a presentation, you can certainly do that. You have 10 minutes. Great, yeah, and I'd love to just add some comments. Sure, please go so, ahead. Uh, thank you, Chair Jones, Vice Chair Thomas, and Commissioners. Uh, my name is Mickey Heenan. I'm a co-owner of Stardogs Clubhouse. My co-owner and friend Andy Wiltz is also on the call. Uh, we appreciate your time tonight. We're also uh, greatly appreciative of the time and attention the staff have put into the review of our past few months, uh, with particular thanks to Roger Rath for the time he has spent reviewing questions with me. Uh, Stardogs Clubhouse has been a member of the West Hollywood business community for over four years, first in our little shop on Nemo Street, and then more recently in our location at 8549 Santa Monica Boulevard. Since our founding, we have lovingly cared for over 900 dogs in this community. Many of our dogs come to us multiple times per week, and some come every day. Uh, they and their parents or pet guardians are part of our family, and they treat us as a part of their families. Stardogs prides ourselves on enriching the lives of the dogs who stay with us through physical and mental activity, through healthy and fear-free services, and through play and socialization. That enrichment is accelerated because of our ability to interact on a regular basis. So we see the dogs grow and develop, and we often identify when there are concerns that the parents need to know about. Many of those concerns we can help alleviate through wellness services and training. Uh, we're here tonight requesting the ability to add just the overnight boarding component to our services. Uh, our dog parents have long asked us to do boarding because their dogs know us and they trust us. And because those dogs can spend their days in daycare with their friends and their caretakers that they know. Uh, over 75 of those parents signed a petition requesting approval of this conditional use permit, which we have provided to staff. Uh, I won't rehash all the written narrative and I thank you for Having reviews, reviewed those details, uh, I would like to review and just highlight some main points and then can take any questions that you have. My points tonight will primarily cover five areas, safety, our staff, minimizing noise, ensuring uh, cleanliness and the odor, uh, and handling any odor, and our boarding accommodations themselves. Uh, regarding safety, we have multiple systems in place to ensure the safety and well-being of our, of our guests. We have top-of-the-line perimeter security cameras and monitored fire sensors. Uh, with boarding, we would have staff on-site 24-7. We have systems of redundant doors to prevent a, a dog from running loose and getting outside accidentally. We have emergency procedures that are documented regarding evacuations in the case of fire or what to do in case of earthquake. We also have emergency procedures for the cases of power outages, the need to boil water and other such scenarios. We have documented operational policies and procedures, including redundant leashes and requiring dogs to be on leash as they enter and exit the building. Um, as Mr. Rath pointed out, the LA County Animal Control reviewed our business for numerous aspects around housing facilities, food, water, sanitation, safety, exercise and socialization, permits and documentation, medical care, and our adherence to regulations. Uh, we scored 100% on that review in November of 2022. The LA County Fire Department also reviewed our facilities for access and egress, emergency signage and lighting, fire extinguishers, and many other facets, and we passed all aspects of that review. We do temperament tests on all the dogs that come in, vaccination reviews, and wellness reviews before admitting them to the clubhouse. And we have the ability to quickly isolate any dog should we encounter one that has fleas or illness while we take action to help it and protect the pack. Regarding uh, my second point is regarding our staff. Our staff go through multiple rounds of interviews. 
to ensure that we're hiring experienced, caring, and empathetic individuals. They then go through weeks of training on how to appropriately handle and socialize dogs. Many of our staff are fear-free certified, a certification program on how to interact with dogs in a way that minimizes anxiety and maximizes beneficial interactions. And they also participate in other training programs on how to lead individual dogs and the whole pack. From a noise perspective, my third point, our building is ideal for a dog daycare and boarding. We have uh, very little shared wall footage uh, and uh, with other businesses. Um, again, as Mr. Rath's presentation uh, showed, we have parking lots and alley spaces separating us from any other spaces in the north, east, and west sides. Uh, the building is built into the hill, and we are not at the same elevation as the few residences to the north. There are no windows facing those residences, and there are thick cinder block walls. Um, inside, we use human interaction to alleviate any barking, and we also use noise dampening materials to further alleviate any barking that does occur. Uh, regarding sanitation, cleanliness, and smell, we regularly get people who walk into our facility and comment how ours does not have that funky smell that most dog daycares have or boarding places have. It's because we clean our facility regularly throughout the day and deep clean each week. And it's also because we have effective air circulation and filtration throughout our facilities. Uh, regarding pet waste, pee goes down the drain via our pee pad stations. Poop gets bagged and goes into the trash. Pee accidents are cleaned immediately using animal safe industry specific cleaning agents and wet mops rather than rags like some businesses have that would sit around and accumulate odor. odor. And our floors are sealed to prevent liquid from seeping in. Also, we have our own laundry facilities and wash dirty towels, et cetera, every night. And my, my last point is regarding accommodations. We use industry-leading enclosures that are comfortable, comfortable for dogs the size of our guests. Uh, we also have a, a number of larger suites for parents who want more space uh, or to have multiple dogs sleeping together, like their dogs. Uh, we have cameras for those parents to, to view their pups when they're sleeping. We use industry-leading caranda beds to maximize dogs' comfort. We accommodate using parent-supplied food or else provide organic and fresh food for our guests. We ensure water is always available for dogs when they are in the overnight accommodations. And when they are not in those accommodations, when they're not sleeping or resting, they're spending time in our daycare rather than any kind of tents like other places that you might have heard of. Um, hopefully my comments give some clarity to our ability to operate this type of business to a high degree of competence. Uh, we're, we're a proud member of the West Hollywood community. We look forward to continuing our you know, service our neighbors for many years to come. Thank you again for your consideration. Great, thank you very much. Does anyone have questions for the applicant at this time? Commissioner Matos, please. Thank you, Chair Jones. Um, Mr. Hayen, uh, is it Hayen? Is that, am, I saying, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, my, my grandfather made it Heenan. I don't know why. Heenan. Okay. Yeah. Heenan, thank you for uh, you know joining us this evening. Uh, I have a quick question. Um, the resolution uh, before us for the CUP stipulates that there are 42 uh, dogs max in overnight boarding. And um, the resolution, you know, in a different section, specifically 4.10, says that the operator should and uh, shall ensure that there's at least one employee within the tenant space to care for the supervised dogs during the overnight boarding hours. Um, I'm curious, at what point would your business consider deploying a second person? Um, like at what number of dogs would you consider doing that? Yeah, I, 
for our uh, intents and purposes, our shifts would overlap between the uh, daycare team and the overnight team. So uh, making sure the dogs are, you know, socialized, that they've had food, uh, that they're getting into their uh, overnight enclosures, et cetera. Um, and so one person is sufficient to uh, oversee uh, dogs that are in their enclosures. Um, but we would consider um, having a second person uh, if those, uh, if let's say we're getting really full, right? Like, cause 42 is actually, we're limited by space. The LA County has uh, approved 85 dogs in our daycare facilities. And for 85 dogs, we regularly have a team of uh, three that is, is regularly working, three, maybe four sometimes, and then a staff of nine altogether rotating shifts. Uh, so I would say as we get to be full, we would reassess and note, you know, are we able to properly attend to all the dog's needs? Um, you know, I, I don't know that we have a hard and fast number, but it would have to be as we get closer to the maximum capacity. Okay, so you would be putting in, a, there would be a second employee if you guys were at near at or near the capacity of 45. That's the intention. We would assess it as we're, as we're going there. And like our, our business plan, we, we may not reach maximum capacity before this building's torn down. It's just a factor of where we are with time. Yeah, okay. And then um, I had asked staff about um, an emergency evacuation plan because, you know, to my understanding, a lot of the boarded dogs would be on the second floor, if not all of them. Yep. Um, do you, I mean, it sounds like it's being required already by the county or uh, animal care and control agency. Do you have yes. that prepared and on site for your employees that are visible? In the we event? have an evacuation plan that states uh, where we are to uh, leave the, the premises. Um, the emergency response plan that we have includes um, a, a kit that is in our, um, oh, is that my time? Sorry. Um, we, we have a whole set of uh, policies, procedures, and materials that are, you know, where they're stored, uh, how to use them, what situation are we responding to, where are you supposed to go? What are you supposed to bring? You know, how many leashes are available? Uh, when do we grab them? Uh, how to essentially, when, when and how to um, grab the dogs and to uh, go out which exits uh, and includes flashlights and batteries and first aid kits. And, um, and it does differ if you're talking about um, certain types of emergency situations. But uh, one thing to note, the second floor, if you go out to the parking lot on the Santa Monica side, does involve going downstairs. If you go out the emergency exit, uh, which is um, on the east side, that goes out and essentially you have to go up about six or seven stairs to that parking lot, or maybe it's eight stairs to that parking lot. So um, the elevation. Is, is different okay so you the answer is you do have uh, an emergency evacuation plan and it is available and accessible to your employees yes your yeah th those were required in order for us to get just the dog daycare okay cool and then i just have one last question and this is an odd question but here it goes um are you guys 
going, you guys offer grooming services, correct? Yes, that's correct. Are those going to be those, are those going to be done in the overnight boarding part of No, the- we actually, okay. we have uh, in the, the floor plan that uh, Roger was showing um, right behind our uh, lobby, there is a grooming specific room with grooming tables and it's you know got a window accessible as you can see it. Uh, and then there's a separate room where we have multiple bathtubs to do uh, washing and drying and that kind of stuff. And those are all on the first floor. But the, the services won't be deployed overnight? No, those will not okay. be deployed overnight. Okay, yes. yeah. I just asked because there, there is actually a section of the West Hollywood Municipal Code, specifically Chapter 5.18.010, that has very specific standards on round uh, grooming and things like that. So that's why I was just curious. Other yep. than that, I have no questions. Thank you very much for answering them. Thanks. Thank you. Any additional questions for the applicant at this time, Commissioner Lombardi? Thank you. I have just a couple of questions. Some of them were just touched on by Commissioner Matos. Um, you know, regarding noise, I, I have a couple of follow-up questions on this. So the property does seem well suited in that it's isolated from some of the adjacent uh, buildings. You mentioned Cinderbrook block construction. Um, what is the scope of renovation that you're doing? And are you doing anything with the ceiling systems in particular on the second floor? The, so the renovation that would be required to handle all of the boarding have been done in anticipation of this, um, the CUP. And uh, mm-hmm. there is no further need, according to the, the process that we went through with uh, the daycare, which also has exposed the ceiling uh, from the large play area. Um, and there was no additional uh, construction or, or anything to the ceiling. What is your, so do you know what your ceiling condition is on the upper floor where the overnight boarding occurs? Is it hard, hard uh, ceiling? Is it acoustic or? It, it is a vaulted, um, how, how do I describe it? I mean, it's, it is um, hardwood covered with uh, rolled, um, what is it, shingle? Uh, and there, to my knowledge, beyond, um, like the, the normal acoustical uh, applic- application over okay. that on the inside, there's no- And I understand this might be a, a difficult and somewhat technical question to ask. Uh, the reason why I'm asking is because as I'm sure you know, with the grading at that site, there's neighbors that are above, right? So yep. I'm, I'm thinking more about the noise transmission up through the roof than, sure. than yeah. the walls. And so my, my hope would be they'd be open to you and as you, move forward that you'd be looking at acoustical treatments in particular, making sure your ceiling is isolated. Would you have more of an open ceiling system? Maybe there's some acoustical material that's applied right up onto that ceiling, or if you have a, like a drop ceiling or something that has some acoustical properties built into it, although those aren't the prettiest things in my opinion. I know you're doing yeah. ventilation and other stuff. So I, I just hope that you look at that. Um, that's why so I asked that when, question. Yeah, and I appreciate your question. When we did build out the space, we had an acoustical expert working with us and their suggestion was uh, application of sound panels on the walls, 
with the way that okay. uh, barking noise would progress, it would be reverberating primarily off the walls, uh, amplifying the sound that direction. The By applying okay. the, the panels to the walls itself, it actually dampens the noise in each direction. Got it. Okay, that makes sense to me. And if you have an acquisition looking at this, they probably have a sense of that seedling assembly and construction. I know noise can go both ways. Um, yep. It is going to hit the wall first, but that was a concern I had. Um, the other other question I have, and I'm really curious to hear is, as you've described with all the efforts you're making, this is quite an undertaking. Um, you already have a, have a business here, but um, understanding that there's a lifespan that this can occur, that you see this as a viable thing with, with the necessary construction and measures that are in place here. Okay. And then not, not only viable, it's, it's, it's necessary for our, our business. Uh, we have looked at this space when we, when we negotiated a lease, it, uh, we were informed that the, the application to demolish the building had been submitted, that it had been underway for a while. The landlord, uh, the owner couldn't tell us if it would be another five years, 10 years, we signed a five-year lease with a five-year extension. Um, knowing that uh, after three years, they could call us and say, it's time to go. Um, we did put significant money into renovating the space. It used to be a massage parlor or something like that. Uh, we put in uh, over $200,000 to make this space suitable for the dogs and not only suitable, but probably the best place you'll find in town. And uh, it is our desire to make this our flagship because we are looking to um, represent the type of service that we can offer to the community, knowing that as we grow it, as we offer this service, it is a service that we would then need to move to the next place. Okay. So we don't want to wait. Did you have it? Understood. Thank you. Yeah. Did you have a date when you signed the five-year lease with five-year extension approximate? Uh, May of 2022. Okay. And you, you realize that with as the resolution is stated right now, you're, you're going to have up to five years, basically, um, to. We're, we're hoping to have two. Services. We have okay. two. We can maybe make back some money mm -hmm. to, you know, move to another spot in West Hollywood. Understood. And then the other question I have relates to safety, safety of the dogs, maybe as well the employees. So I was wondering, it's been a long time since I've had a pet or needed to board a pet, but um, seems to me like if you have 40 plus animals that two people would be really helpful. And I say that because if someone has an emergency and they have to leave, you know, something happens, right. Then who's going to cover. Um, yep. Also for his safety of having two people there, you know, should they get in a situation having some support versus being alone with the animals? And so I'm wondering if you would be amenable to requiring that there's two people. Um, there are kind of significant costs, uh, impacts mm -hmm. on us, especially when we're starting a business from scratch. Uh, you can imagine that in March, April, May, June, July, we may only be averaging two dogs a night three, four, mm -hmm. um, that would essentially guarantee that we would be losing money on this business and it would be unnecessary. Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, Commissioner Matos's question, uh, I would be amenable if we get to the point where, you know, a significant number of dogs is um, present. Um, again, it takes time to build to that, 
type of a business. And uh, we do also have policies and procedures in place uh, in anticipation of this business where we have, you know, folks that are close by, we have staff members that live down the street. Um, there is the ability to call for somebody else to, to come. Um, but we do recognize that there are some things, if, if the worker themselves was in trouble, then, I mean, that could create some issues, but uh, yeah, yep. we can only do so much. So maybe follow-up question. Thank you for that answer. Is there a number that, so I, I guess I didn't really think about how the business model operates and that it may take a while to build up that number of, of um, you know, people that would be boarding pets, like, but I would think maybe that could happen pretty quickly given that you're established um, and have, have clients. So is there a number that, that is around that threshold that, you know, two makes sense. So I, I totally get it. You got one or two dogs, two people. It's a is, lot, especially asking someone to work overnight. Is there any established um, standard that is applicable to businesses that are currently operating in West Hollywood that we could follow? Because I'm hesitant to say that a new standard should be created for us. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess that's a question for staff. Maybe we could ask that. That's that's actually my my last question. Um, I, I also just would invite um, my business partner Andy if you want to add anything. He he's been running. I mean, they regularly. Uh, we, he's he's also an owner of other businesses. This like while while boarding is new to Stardogs, it's not new to us. Um, and so I just want to invite him to also comment. Um, I just want to be clear just quickly because I know that your time has actually expired. Is this okay. still in response to a question? Yes, to the You're overnight. You're welcome to speak uh, during the rebuttal too. Okay. Yeah, just to the overnight requirements. Okay, please. Yeah, so I was going to talk. Um, so I own several doggy daycares and we do boarding at all of them except for um, Star Dogs. And then I've got one other one where we don't have overnight boarding. And we've had... Um, over the years, overnight staff, uh, because what Michael was talking about with all of our dogs that um, are gonna be boarding with us, they also participate in day play. The way we've set up the schedule is um, all the dogs get put up while there's more staff there. Um, and because the dogs are playing all day long, they're actually tired and worn out. Um, and so during that overnight staff, um, they're not getting the dogs out and letting them be in play group and stuff. when really most of the accidents happen. Um, and you actually kind of, you try to avoid being around the dogs um, overnight. I mean, we're obviously still in the building and still in the area, um, but you're not going around um, cleaning that room while the dogs are trying to sleep just so they can get a good night of sleep. Um, so yes, there, there are things that can happen with the facility or with weather or with the individual, um, but we, we don't let the dogs interact with each other, um, which is usually the biggest issue that we could have uh, if there's an individual there. Okay, thank you. Great, thank you. Any additional questions for the applicant at this time? Okay, I'm a bit remiss. I should have asked if we had any disclosures before we moved to the applicant's presentation, but before the public comment, I would like to give everyone an opportunity to disclose whether or not they met and or discussed um, items contained in the staff report with the applicant. I do not have any disclosures for this item. 
Okay, great, thank you. All right, with that, we're gonna move into public comment. Um, this will be an opportunity for the public to ask questions about the project and give their comments and feedback. David, do we have any public speakers? Uh, Chair, yes, we do. Uh, we do have one uh, public speaker that has requested to speak. Um, if there is anybody left on the platform that would like to speak, please use the raise hand feature. Or if you're calling in, star nine for me. Um, our first and only speaker at this time is Lynn Hoopengarner. Uh, Lynn, go ahead. You'll have three minutes. Thank you, um, David. And hello again, commissioners. Um, just for the record, uh, once again, I did not receive notice for this hearing. Um, staff and legal has informed me that I live within 500 feet, yet it seems that for noticing purposes for every project at this location, I do not live within 500 feet. Um, um, I think the applicant has sounds like they have a really great business model and they've really thought through all of these items. Um, but I do feel it's important to address what Commissioners Matos and Lombardi brought up about the nighttime staffing. And this is not a standard, but this you're being asked to approve a conditional use permit, which does go with the land. Um, and so as such, I think it would be appropriate to have a, a threshold after which a second caregiver would be required in the evening and that you would modify, uh, you, you called out the number, I forgot off the top of my head, um, that says that after you know 26 dogs or something that there is a second person in, in attendance in the evenings. Um, as to the noise abatement, um, I, I think that this is, it sounds like, I'm, unfortunately wasn't in the staff report that sound walls had already been installed. So that's a great, um, uh, a great remediation. Uh, it doesn't, didn't mention uh, the, the, the residents uh, in air quotes of the Ramada hotel. It, uh, while the condos might be impacted, the hotel would also be impacted. So I'd want to make sure that uh, the noise that's going out the door um, there isn't impacting the hotel in the neighborhood. Um, I'm particularly curious as to um, the, the approvals for the development that you saw two weeks ago, and this was not discussed at any time, that the fact that there was actually a five-year lease in place um, and I'm curious as to what promises have been made to the, to the applicant and the business owner from the developer regarding these timelines, because I think it does play into all of this. It's an important business that we, we all need. I know many of you are dog owners or, and parents and, and partners. Um, so I just want to make sure that this is done as thoughtfully as possible. Um, and those are my and, uh, and and thank you for answering my questions about the TI improvements because you have, you do have a lot of sunk costs and I would hate for this applicant to lose all of their sunk costs by all of a sudden losing their business. Um, so I'd like to just make sure that our business owners are as protected as our neighborhood. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Lynn. And Chair, that is our last public speaker for this item. Great, thank you very much. The applicant will have five minutes to rebut. You don't have to rebut, um, but you can use the time to rebut or you can you know, use the time to make any additional comments you might have before we close the public comment portion of the public hearing. Uh, I, I don't think we have any additional comments at this time. Okay, great, thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, with that, I'm gonna close the public comment portion of the public hearing and we can move into deliberation at this time. Do I have someone who would like to speak first? Don't be shy. I'm not doing it, so I always go last, as you know. 
Do we have a motion or do we want to discuss? Commissioner Lombardi, please go ahead. Before we rush to a motion, I do have comments. So um, go for it. One actually may be a question for, for staff to help with deliberation, if that's appropriate. Can I ask that? Looking at item 1.6, I guess I'm just trying to understand if this condition that we're asking for would be reviewed by this planning commission if it ever were to be extended. It's temporary. And I think item 1.6 covers that for maximum time period of up to six years. I just want to make sure I'm understanding what we're voting on. So let's say the other project doesn't happen or this business were to leave. There's a maximum period. This would come back to the planning commission again, and we would make a decision on that conditional use permit. Is that correct as, as per 1.6 or does staff have any comment? Yeah, I can jump in. Um, that condition is only um, if they don't commence the use. So if, if the CUP isn't, um, if they don't enact the use within a certain period of time, it expires. But once they start the use, then it can continue indefinitely until they close. However, okay, thank you. That's helpful. And then, so moving up one to item 1.5, it does note that there, there can be two or more extensions. Maximum time period for an approved permit should not exceed five years. So is that just the permit or is that the maximum? Since they already have the use going, I would assume that they would be beginning the overnight boarding right away once this becomes effective. And so those two conditions are sort of moot at that point because those are only those are only expiration of the of the CUP if the use does not commence. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So if it doesn't commence, then anyone else has the right, and then it it has those terms. Upon, does that make sense? This permit shall expire 36 months from the date of approval. Mm -hmm. Unless the significant construction approvals. Or the youth authorized hereby have commenced. So once the use okay. commences, then the permit is effective and that doesn't apply anymore. It, it mostly comes into play with construction projects, right? Because it. it takes yes. a while to get through mm -hmm. plan check and stuff like that. So if this CUP okay. went with a brand new building, maybe it would take a while for them to start the use. So they only Understood. have that amount of time. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Okay, so it no really is, is anticipating construction delay or something like that. So if the other project didn't happen, this could continue on. There's no real time limit. Thank you. Um, I did make some notes about the the dates of the drawing, so those might want to be cleaned up. But in terms of other questions, um, I, th I think that was it. You know, in terms of, of uh, deliberation, since that's where we are, um, I'm generally in support of this. But I do wonder if we could maybe set a threshold at which there would be two um, two employees pending to um, the overnight boarding. And curious if other people on this commission have thoughts on that. And uh, in terms of other other comments, I, I think that's it. I'll check my notes again. Mr. Carvajero, please go ahead. 
Yeah, Jennifer, I have a quick question again. In regards to the CUP, um, because the public comment mentioned that it stays with the land, that is what we're accustomed to. But I heard in our staff presentation that when this business stops, the CUP goes away. So is, did I hear that correctly or does it stay with the land? So it does run with the land, but it's for that tenant space. So when the building is demolished, then it, it, goes, it goes away. away. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I'm in support of this project. I, I, when you look at the plans, there's a good buffer between the daytime play area and the people behind you. And there are so many doorways between the open play area and the Ramada that I can't imagine noise ever getting to the Ramada or getting or arriving at the condos, especially when you have the sleeping area on the upper floor and the lower ever, lower area is basically in the hillside. I, you know, and at nighttime they'll be sleeping unless there's something really strange happens. I can't imagine there being any noise issues. Um, in regards to the drawing dates, I, I just want to let everybody know that typically like when we up when we update a page, we don't update the date on the entire set. We just update the date on that one page. So often you'll go to a drawing set and see multiple dates on on a, on a single set because we typically only update the date on the day that that sheet is updated, and that keeps it all. That's how we've done it typically. So it's not that we don't have the most current drawings. It could be that that's how this drawing was, how this package was developed. Um, and I'm, I, I, I mean, I'm very familiar with these type of facilities and I know how these door, all these door systems work. And most of these facilities, when you walk into that entry check-in area, you can barely hear the, the play area. So I'm, I'm really okay with the noise thing. I know that the, they sound very professional. They sound very, um, responsible and, uh, yeah, I'm in support of this project. I'm not keen on the telling them how to run their business at nighttime and having a threshold for two people, especially given what they what they uh, have said in terms of the difficulty. If they only have two or three dogs, it's like I trust them that they would put the right amount of people because if they didn't have the right amount of people up there on the second floor at, during nighttime, they would probably lose business and it would be an issue. So, yeah, that's where I stand with the project. Great, thank you very much, Commissioner Caballero. Commissioner Matos. Thank you. Sorry, you unmute. Chair Jones. Um, yeah, I'm also supportive of this. I think, you know, it's gonna be a great resource for the community. I think the applicant did a great job at outlining um, and the uh, staff as well uh, did a great job in outlining the critical components of this and how, you know, noise and smells and different factions would be mitigated um you know i i was inclined to, you know to consider the addition of a you know or requirement for a second person um if they were at or near capacity um just for the sake of an emergency situation or you know just staffing reasons um but it sounds like you know the applicant is saying that that would be um, an issue for the business model. And I am sensitive to that. Um, sounds like the dogs, you know, are going to be contained in their um, enclosures at night. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to deploy um, the 
condition, but I would be open to it if it were like at a high capacity, like if they're at full capacity, they should probably have two people. But at the end of the day, that's, I guess, a business decision and we can, uh, I would support, you know, uh, a condition for if they are at capacity, they should have two people, but I'm also happy to move it forward as is. All right, thanks, Commissioner Matos. Additional comments? I'd like to make a motion to approve this project according to the staff report. I'll second. Commissioner Lombardi, please go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I would second it. So, because oh, okay. Chair Jones, you get okay. to pick who seconded it. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I was going to add, though, not to get hung up on the dates, but item 2.3, it says that the plans date stamp February 2nd. So I trust that staff can clean that up to the appropriate date. And to, to Commissioner Lombardi's point, too, I just want to note and confirm with the motion makers that the, um, the staff's recommendation will include the modification that Roger mentioned off the top to the resolution, section 2. Uh, to change February 2nd, 2022 to February 2nd, 2023. Great, thank you. I don't want to stifle discussion, but we have a motion and a second on the floor. Are we ready to call a vote? Motion by Commissioner Carvalero, seconded by Vice Chair Thomas. Commissioner Ramados. Yes. Commissioner Lombardi. Yes. Commissioner Carvalero. Yes. Vice Chair Thomas. Yes. Chair Jones. Yes. And the motion carries as amended, uh, noting the five ayes. And um, uh, Commissioner Copeland as absent and Commissioner Gregoire as recused on this item. And we do have an appeal process. The resolution the planning commission just approved memorializes the commission's final action on this matter. This action is subject to appeal to the city council. Appeals must be submitted within 10 calendar days from the state to the city clerk's office. Appeals must be in writing and accompanied by the required fees. The city clerk's office can provide appeal forms and information about waiver of fees. Great, thank you very much, David. All right. Moving right along. So again, because we move things around, we will move to item 12, which is unfinished business. There is none. Item 13 is excluded consent calendar. There is none. We've already covered item 14. Item 15 is public comment. Um, David, do we have any public speakers at this? Um, I received no public requests to speak on this item. Um, we have a few people left. If anybody would like to make a comment, you have three minutes. Uh, use the raise hand feature in the Zoom or star nine. And Chair, we are all clear for this item. Great, thank you very much. Item 16 is items from commissioners. Do we have any comments from commissioners? Commissioner Lombardi? Just really quickly, thank you everyone for productive discussions today. And um, just wanted to say, I, I feel we're in good hands with commissioner 
Caballero. I'm glad that you're continuing um, to participate on uh, the new ad hoc committee for the city playhouse design. Thank you. Any additional comments from commissioners at this time? Okay. If not, I want to thank everyone for coming this evening. And I will move to adjourn us. Uh, we will adjourn to a regularly scheduled meeting on Thursday, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. I do want to confirm with David. David, will the next meeting also be virtual? Yes, it will be virtual. It has already, um, everything has already been legally noticed, so it has to be on virtual. All right, excellent. Thank you very much. I will see all of you at our next meeting, I hope. Thank you very much for coming, everyone. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Bye.